0: Listening to the Sure Skills Learn to Grow podcast, where we talk to leaders in learning about the learning landscape. My name is Simon Behan, the host, and this week I'll be talking to Christopher Lind, who's the head of global digital learning for GE Healthcare. He's also the host of the massively popular Learning Tech Talks, and if you haven't checked that out, I highly recommend it. We covered a lot of ground in our conversation, but the common thread was how technology is reshaping the learning landscape. We also preview Christopher's big push to provide high quality learning opportunities for anyone who considers themselves a learning professional. Christopher wears many hats, but he is above all just a ridiculously nice guy. And I had a great time chatting with him, and I hope you enjoy the conversation.
1: So, hey, Christopher, how are you? I'm doing very well. How about yourself?
0: fantastic. I'm doing great. First of all, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me. Excited. And I've followed your progress on learning tech talks and congratulations on that, by the way. It's become a fantastic resource for everybody in the industry. People
1: would actually listen to it. So that was a pleasant surprise.
0: (laughs) Well, it seems like a lot of people are listening to it, uh, and a lot yeah. of people get a lot of benefit out of it.
1: I'd, I'd, I'd like to think so, and I, I hope to keep it that way. So
0: It seems like you're in your element and that you really enjoy it. Is that true? And then how did Learning Tech Talks kind of come into existence generally?
1: So what's funny is most people don't believe that I actually am really like not extroverted. I can be, I can turn it on when I need to, but in the virtual interview space, I actually love it. Like I I am actually fascinated by people. So having conversations with people is actually, I, I really do enjoy it. out of a genuine curiosity. It's just like, I love kind of going back and forth. So how it started though, was honestly, um, you know, over time, my background's kind of eclectic. It's kind of weird. I've had this weird tech business ops learning bend on things. And because of that, I've just had a different perspective or a different take on things. And it was getting to the point where more and more people were actually, one, reaching out to me, but it was even getting to the point people were like, can I just sit in on your meetings? Like, can I sit in on a meeting with you just to listen to the conversations that you have? And I'm like, I mean, that's fine, but it was becoming logistically hard to remember who to invite and when to send people an email. It was just becoming kind of a nightmare. And so somebody said, well, you should do a podcast. And I just didn't really get excited about it. I'm like, uh, I don't know. That just doesn't really feel like my kind of personality, I guess. And then I got to do a live stream. once, And I used to do live streaming back in the day when I used to game. But, uh-huh. but then I was like, oh, what if I did like a live stream with this? That would be fun. And it's... More fitting to my personality type thing, and so my wife went into labor with my fi- with our fifth, and I thought, oh, what the heck? Like, let's just start this thing. Let's see what happens. And I did. It was a good time. Going, yeah, never knowing what would really happen, and that's that's the story.
0: <laughs> so, at the start of each episode, generally you tr- throw out an icebreaker for which your guests have minimal time, if any, to prepare. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like yeah. to flip the tables on you, oh, yeah. uh, if that's okay. So you mentioned your gaming history. So I've I've stayed in your comfort zone here. Let's say you have the chance to become any nineties video game character. Ooh! Uh, what nineties video game character would you most like to be?
1: Oh, see, the, yeah, wow, this is weird. Having the tables turned on me now, I'm gonna now I'm gonna have to give <laughs> people more prep time for this. So this one's actually <laughs> pretty easy. I think this one's pretty easy. Um, and yeah. that, well, I it's easy and hard. It's gonna have to be somewhere between Mario or Link from Zelda. One of the two for sure okay. is going to have to be one of those. And the funny thing is that comes immediately to mind because I created a I created a retro pie little gaming console and I only let my kids play vintage video games. So my kids are addicted <laughs> to Super Mario 1, 2, 3, Zelda, Donkey Kong Country, all the classics. So it wasn't too yeah. hard to it is so funny thinking back. We, we we won't get lost in this, but it's funny just going through, you know, going through all the class games. I was playing NBA Jam with my son the other day and it just, up, you know,
0: he's heating up
1: it, like that kind of stuff. you are like, wow, I'd almost forgotten about this.
0: <laughs> Those little phrases that live in the back of your brain and when they come out, like, I oh, I have a whole slew of memories attached to that. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's great. Well, let's get into it then. So recently there's been a huge shift towards an emphasis on learning experience or the learning experience yeah Uh, and a good example of that would be kind of the move from lms over to the likes of lxps right where you're shifting away from a a management focus or an administration focus over to a facilitation of an experience Um, and that's a huge shift uh, and, and it's a huge philosophical shift what I was wondering is, do you, you know, you're a big uh, tech advocate and, and your expertise is, is around tech and, and, and learning. Do you think that technology is driving that philosophical shift or is that something that was kind of happening anyway and has kind of coincided with these innovations in technology?
1: So, yeah, that's actually a really good question. Um you know, I would say, the, here's my take on it. And and anytime I have an answer to these types of questions, when I do do interviews, it's always like, this is my take on it, right? It's not the way, but it's my perception of things. I would say this, yeah. this has been a tidal wave that's been moving for a long time, right? This is This isn't something mm-hmm. that, you know, recently was invented with COVID or the invention of, you know, the personal computer. People have been asking for this kind of stuff for a long time and they've been wanting to do it But to be fair, and I think this is where the finger pointing in our industry doesn't really get us very far, you know, in the 80s, 90s, it wasn't possible, right? You you just couldn't do it. And so I think what we've seen is the technology kind of evolved to get us a little bit further. And now what we're seeing is the technology is now continuing to evolve. I think where we're lagging behind a little bit as an industry is, is catching on to that and saying, okay, the tech, we, we've kind of stayed in our box. I call it the uh, Stockholm syndrome of LD, where you where know, we're kind of stuck back in this box of like, well, this is what we know and what we're comfortable with. The tech now has has moved way past where more people are. And I think that now is in the case where the technology is driving it. So it's almost like we've reversed roles. Initially, we were kind of pushing it saying, we need more, we need to do this. And then the tech did. And now we're kind of going like, Whoa! I don't know if I'm really ready for that yet, and we need to.
0: How do we escape our captors then, if that's the case, and, <laughs> and catch up with technology?
1: Oh, that is that is a question that we could probably spend the rest of the afternoon talking about. I think you know some of it is one of the biggest things I've seen that's been a limiting factor is almost this identity crisis that technology has created, right? And I think that's one of the biggest things we have to overcome is that people people are starting to wonder in our field, like well, what is my role now? Like I'm struggling to understand what my role is because I used to do X and now you're asking me to do Y. And fundamentally, I feel like I don't have a place in that. I didn't get into learning to be a technical. Well, I did, but a lot of people didn't, right? And I think that's one of the biggest things that we have to do is help paint the picture. It's why I started learning tech talks. is why I started learning sharks was to help people see that it's not that you don't have a place here anymore, or that you fundamentally have to be a different person. It's that you have to exercise your skills in a completely different way. And yes, that's uncomfortable a little bit as you move through that change, but what brought you here, it won't keep you here, it won't get you there, but it is still at the core fundamental of being successful even in this new digital world. And I think that fear factor, honestly, is probably one of the biggest factors holding people back.
0: One of the things I'm thinking of as you're talking about the way roles have evolved is the fact that we look at learning departments or any anyone who facilitates any kind of learning experience. It used to be a lot of kind of create a product and deliver uh, mm-hmm. something, whereas now we've moved much more towards curating content and trying to take, you know, pick the right content from vast quantities of content and making sure that the right people can get the right thing at the right time. That's obviously, that's a huge shift. Like you said, that's that's an entirely different job almost, the, moving from instructional design to experience design. Um, is that something that you think people are really coming to terms with in the industry?
1: I don't know that we've fully come to terms with that yet. I think we're starting to get there. I think people are starting to think about it this way. I think there's still some people like death gripping on right? You know, the way that we've done it, but even they're starting to move as the tide shift, you know, and I think, and you think about it going back to what we talked about when we kicked this off, right? The fact that before it's not even that being a content shop and then pushing this content out was necessarily the best thing. It's just, we had no visibility into what else was out there because of the lack of technology. Content wasn't being produced at the scale it was, so, there was a bigger need for us to generate new things where now there's much less opportunity to say, oh, this is brand new. We need to create content. But I think the thing about it, and this is where that shift needs to happen, is if you were an instructional designer, a developer, maybe before you were spending more of your time actually physically creating the content. Now your role is just, you may not be physically creating, but you're coaching, developing, right? Helping other, you're facilitating that to happen. So even in content design, you probably weren't the best me to be building the content anyway. Now the beauty is you don't actually have to do it. You can actually work through this me to do it, but you still serve and your skills, still do that. So I think that's where, yeah, you know, we, we aren't fully embracing that yet, but we we need to. And it's, again, it's not as threatening as I think some people make it out to be.
0: So once we come to terms, the uh, the obstacle might actually be the way that there might be some real silver linings to this that gives us the chance to focus on something that we may even do better than what we did before?
1: I, I would say absolutely. I mean, to me, that's one of the biggest things I'm an advocate for technology for is it's it's actually freeing us up to focus more on the things we actually like to do. I mean, I don't know a ton of instructional designers who go. You know what I love doing? Plopping shapes into PowerPoint to, cre- to create a story. Like nobody said. I mean, there's probably somebody, but most people don't say that is really what gets me out of bed in the morning. It was something we did because it needed to be done, and you know, it was it was a step in the process. But if we can say, hey. We don't need you doing that tactical activity more. We want you using your brain power and your skills in coaching and consulting to be enabling that at at greater scale. Most people, once they get past the resistance of like, well, that's not what I signed up for, actually go, holy moly, I'm actually more engaged. I'm enjoying more of what I'm doing because I'm spending more time on the things that I actually got into this for
0: coming back to, to learning tech talks on what the original kind of mission statement that you guys had, something along the lines of closing the gap between those who build the technology and those who implement it and, and who use it and manage it. What challenges are you, are you hoping to kind of help organizations address with that mission statement?
1: Yeah, so there's there's really two things. I guess if I were to distill it down to two things, the first one is this, is to, de- and I, and I say I'd this pretty regularly, right? I'm demystifying the landscape. It is confusing as all get out for people right now, right? It's it's confusing. People don't even know where to start. They don't know what questions to ask on the practitioner side. Vendors are trying to figure out what should we be focused on, all this kind of stuff. And so breaking that down into pragmatic, what are the real problems organizations are struggling with? What are the technology capabilities and how do you merge those two, right? That's kind of the fundamental purpose behind it is to say, hey, let's make this simple because it doesn't have to be as complicated and actually reducing it to its simplicity makes it easier. I think the bridging the gap between practitioners and, and providers is a natural output of that where why would you spend, similar to like, why would you spend all your time putting shapes in PowerPoint when you can be using your you know, t- talents over here. Same thing with service providers and practitioners. We each have a unique role. And instead of treating each other like the enemy and pointing fingers at each other, we should be saying, hey, let's define our roles and responsibilities and let's work together. As an internal practitioner, building a new LXP is not the best use of your time and resources. That, that, that doesn't make sense. Can you do it? Well, you can, but why? That doesn't make sense lean on those service providers, but in order for them to be able to do it well, you need to have that partnership. So, you know, we're actually going to get further along if we can combine it. And I get why people get nervous about talking to I, I understand it. And that's why I created the show.
0: You kind of humanize these these tech companies in a way because you're having conversations with real people. I'm thinking of the LXP conversation you had maybe four or five episodes back. And just hearing people talk through the features and the functions and why they're there and why they matter and, you know, what's valuable to them, I think, like I said, humanizes and makes it more accessible to those who are looking to implement those services, right, and practically apply them to get away from that Stockholm syndrome of always returning to what we've done, right, or replacing systems with other systems.
1: Yeah. Well, and the thing too with it is when you look at the tech stack, You know, there's, there's a lot of different players that are doing similar things. And that's, and sometimes people are like, well, that's, that's not a good thing. It's like, yeah, it is actually, because the thing is going to your point, right? You humanize these tech companies, they have a dynamic vision and a purpose and a problem that they're setting out to solve. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, when I talk to people and they go, well, which, you know, acronym should we buy this one or this one? It's like, well, there's, there's not really an answer to that question other than which one makes the most sense for what you're trying to do. And that's where the humanization of it comes in because it's like, well, which one do you align with? Everyone has kind of their own unique bend on how they're trying to pursue this. And that might be a decision-making factor to say, well, this one actually better aligns with where we're trying to go as an organization. You could pick a different one. It might have the same technology capabilities, but you might not get as far because they may be moving in a different direction than you are
0: and it's also you have to arrive at that decision with an idea where you want to go as an organization but no. right? you can't, you but can't that, pick your that's technology one of
1: the biggest things that i think is an opportunity area for a lot of folks is that right we we're chasing it and we don't know why we're chasing it right we're chasing it cuz uh-huh. we're told we need to or or that's the thing to do instead of saying well wait a minute what what are the big gaps we're trying to fill then we can back into, okay, now we can actually break that down.
0: Last thing, recently you've seen the, this kind of mysterious hashtag, it's coming, Uh <laughs> these posts on LinkedIn and obviously I'm a a learning professional, so I'm intrigued. I've signed up. Is there anything you can reveal here that, or that you'd like to see
1: everybody still is everybody's still thinking it's super secretive. It is (laughs) some secrets behind it, but some of it's just logistical planning of, we don't want to say things before we can actually commit to them. So, so I'll tell you this. right. One of the things that I have seen over the years is that there's not in my opinion, a ton of great places learning and talent professionals can go for their personal development. It's just not. We're we're a weird, unique function and we have weird, unique needs. And we don't always fit. I, I think of us sometimes as like the island of misfit toys, right? We just have these quirks. And I said, Well, that's unfortunate. And then COVID hit, and it felt like the limited options we had just vaporized overnight where it was like, oh my goodness. And so people were spinning up new things. And I I just have felt like we haven't really been, what I've seen hasn't really been modeling what good looks like. And so I said, I want to fix that. I want to fix it. Cause not only do I care about, you know, the work I do around tech, I genuinely care about our industry. And to me, I want to bring everybody along for the ride. And so I said, I'm going to set out to actually create a development experience and and bring people along for the ride. And we're going to do it together and it's going to be awesome. And we're going to model the things we talk about in ways that, you know, we we don't always demonstrate and try and do it right. So that's, that's what it is. Um, You know, it's, I can tell you this, the one thing I can tell you, a lot of people are like, Oh, so you're creating another online event. No. Is that (laughs) part of the experience? Sure. But it's actually multiple things that are tied to that. It's truly, um, going back to the thing you talked about earlier, we talk a lot about learning experience. And what I find is a lot of times when we talk about learning experience, we're really talking about content experience. We're changing the way people are consuming content. We aren't actually creating experiences. And the goal of this is to say, yeah, content has a place, but we need to think about holistically the experience people are going through. So that's what learning reimagined 2021 is is bringing.
0: And the best way for anyone listening to this who are you know are now inspired uh, to to sign up and to get involved is to
1: <laughs> follow me on LinkedIn. Is probably the best way to do it, I would say, because you know I post all the links there. I'm I'm in the process of getting the actual website stood up so that I can actually have a place to direct people. If you follow Learning Tech Talks or my learning sharks, it's there too. But yeah, that's LinkedIn is is kind of my primary channel right now.
0: Brilliant. From a professional standpoint, what you do with learning tech talks, first of all, I think you're a great conversationalist. I think you're super laid back and you make other people feel laid back and you bring a kind of authenticity to everything that you do and just really appreciate everything you're doing for, for the industry. And I appreciate you taking the time to hang out and have a chat
1: yeah well i'm glad i'm glad we were able to connect it's always fun to connect live with folks and it's always it's always fun and interesting to be on the other side of the on the interview chair so thanks for thinking of me and inviting me to be on
0: absolutely well listen best of luck with all the projects and we will stay in touch
1: all right sounds good
0: all right cheers christopher that was Christopher Lind. If you want to learn more, I'll have all the links you need in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about SureSkills, you can head over to sureskills.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen and all the best.